on today's episode of The Glue Guys, I'm going to try to bring some positivity. I'm going to wring it out of this Nets towel. Yeah, shouldn't be hard. Soaking. Two yeah, wins. positivity. Hey, two win, two game winning streak. Yeah. Nets are dominant. One of the hottest teams in the NBA. We're going to talk about it right now here on The Glue Guys. <laughs> Guys, this is Mike Arizona Brian. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glued Guys, NotsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind the paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys. A subsidiary of the New York Times. Right. Michael. That's oh all right. I thought you were gonna have it. You didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. People are people are calling for me not to do it. They're disappointed in Steve mm. Nash, they're disappointed in this team, and I'm gonna tell you. Wow. Hey, come on. Everyone chill out, brah. Chill out, dude. You know, it's if you're fine. a good team, you got to win ugly, Mike. That's what they say. You got to win ugly. And that's what we're doing. We're winning really atrociously, hideously ugly. But wins. Stacking dubs. Here's my bit. I'm going to do a bit called, this is a new bit, What If I Told You. Okay. This is, a, uh, this is an exciting thing. Brian, what if I told you that the Nets beat the Rockets by 13 and beat the Knicks by 12 on a back-to-back? That'd be pretty good. Be nice. If I gave you no context, no context, of how I'm, the games went, I'm like that's I, that sounds normal. That sounds like normal winning, good, you know, on their way to a championship basketball kind of thing to do. What if I told you that the Nets, when they have Kevin Durant, when he plays a basketball game, their record is 34 and 19 this season. Mm. That equals, according to my math, a 64 percent winning percentage. Mm. What if I told you that when you extrapolate that out for an entire <laughs> season? The Nets would have the very same record as the top-seeded Miami Heat. Well, what if I told you that since Kevin Durant has returned from his knee injury, he's averaging 31 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists, which would put him squarely mm. in the MVP discussion? What if I told you all those things were true? Do you, would you believe me, Brian? Uh Sorry, am I having? Am I, am I still in a world in which I'm watching the games, or am I not watching the games? I can't. You're not watching remember. any not, games. <laughs> yeah, it sounds just. I'm. Sounds, you are an alien. You came down from Earth, and you're like, sounds tight. What are the Nets doing? Yeah. And I say these are the things. These sounds, are they, sounds super tight. Sounds dope. So why do we feel like uh, it doesn't feel that good? Why does it not feel as quite as good as what is, I just laid out? It is a funny thing, isn't it? The optics are not aligning a little bit with the recent results. It is funny. It's very much like Joe Biden's presidency, right? Mm, mm. You know, the, the results are amazing. The optics are. are <laughs> Why are we so down? You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> besides there's certain things that you could be yeah. down about, but why are we so down on, on on his presidency? It's a great. I feel like things are pretty. Like yeah. we're okay. We're fine. Everyone's okay. Um, it's a great point. It's a it's Thank a you. perfect parallel. The Nets are Joe Biden's presidency. <laughs> um, I like it. Um, put that in the. That's. That's the title of the YouTube video. Yeah. Video by I mean, we can hop right into it. I mean, so uh, these Knicks and Rocks. Are, yeah, we're in the pod right now. Yeah, so we're potting. So I'll yeah. just start going. Um, <laughs> the Knicks the game was really ugly. And it's hard to ignore the fact that, like, we at this point, this late stage in the season, despite having tons of firepower, you know, we have enough firepower to get ourselves out of any hole at any point. Um, 
you know, we're we're uh, we're Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man One, just in the cave. Like we can we can be in a pretty down and out situation and slap together our our janky you know Iron Man suit and fight our way out of the Al Qaeda cave situation, and you know sure. we're <laughs> we're fine. But is that ideal? <laughs> you know, is that the ideal situation? Do you want to be in the cave? at all in the first place um, and building like a medieval yeah. Iron Man suit. <laughs> I, don't, <Yeah. laughs> I don't think you do. I don't think you do, but, but yeah. So yeah, I, I do think the margin of victory. So it, it is hard to win a game in the NBA and it's hard to win by blowout. And I would classify a game, which the score ends by a 13 point victory and a 12 point victory, pretty close to a blowout, <laughs> pretty close on the edge. I mean, it's definitely a subjective thing, but yeah. Fair. Yeah, and and so, but neither of those games at all felt like uh, blowouts in the least bit. No, and because it was the Knicks game was extremely like an extreme example of this current Nets team, where during the game there's such disappointment, there's a lack of energy, there doesn't seem to be much of an offense besides hey Kevin here's the ball, hey Kyrie here's the ball, yeah, right. Um, and Seth Curry's trying to run some type of offense, but ultimately. Uh, he's he's not being received in the way that I think he would like to be. And, and can I moment. also offer another little like? But I think it has a, yeah. a downstream uh, negative effect on people. Like you know, Patty Mills had a great game last night compared to you know what's been going on recently. But he's kind of picking up bad the bad habits. He's like seeing what Kyrie Irving is doing. He's like, let's do it. I I think I can do it. <laughs> I can write on that. We're not really running any plays. It's and even the role players who should be kind of doing driving kicky stuff. And when it does happen, it's like, oh my gosh, we just did a driving kick. I can't believe what I just saw. Um, really basic offensive sets. Like even to, just not even offensive set. Just like a read and react kind of bare bones offensive minded thing to do outside of just watching KD and Kyrie take turns. When when they're really locked into their taking turns, and again, it's the second half of a back to back, they're like, you know, their their legs are heavy, their brains are heavy. All they want to do is, you know, fall out of bed eat their and, mom's and spaghetti. <laughs> eat their mom's spaghetti. Um, so, like, you know, I'm trying not to to blow out the blow this out of proportion, but based on the last couple of games, it does like appear. It's like, where's the offensive system? Is there one? Was there ever one? Um, <clears throat> Matt Brooks on the last episode talked about requiring some kind of connective tissue. Um, I think we've been talking about that a little bit recently ourselves. It does appear to be that KD and Kyrie would really benefit from some, and I'm not saying names. I'm not going to say people's names like Ben Simmons, certainly not going to name he who shall not be named James Harden um, as the connective tissue. But if there is a way to patchwork that connective tissue in this short amount of time for the playoffs, I would really want to start emphasizing whatever that is. I don't know what it is. Yeah, so I think Goron has that ability. His yeah. shot hasn't been strong enough. So that's the problem where Goron is the only true point guard on this team. Kyrie Irving just isn't a point guard, which is fine. He's an electric scorer, but he ultimately – and he can pass. He can make fantastic passes. He made one in the Knicks game. He oh, made one in the Rockets pass. game. Yeah, he's he's an amazing passer, but he's not a point guard. The point guard needs to be the person that can see – you know, can set up all the pieces, can – be able to kind of drive to the bucket to then dish it out to shooters on the wing to kind of create some motion on the offense that then gets Kevin Durant open or at least Kevin Durant moving toward the bucket. They don't have any guy like that now that James Harden's off the team. Goran is obviously, I think he has COVID, right? I think he's in health and safety protocols. Um, and obviously we hope everything's okay and that he will be back. The problem is that he's only played what? eight games or so with this team uh pretty much like every net and so, so like there's it's a lot to ask 
a lot. That's what's so tantalizing and almost frustrating about this team Mm. is that like we can see the like the potential is like right there. It's Mm. it's almost this is going to be kind of a spoiler, but I'm going to do it. And I know you're not watching Moon Knight on Disney Plus. Oscar Isaac. How do you know? Are you? I'm not. No, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. But. This doesn't ruin anything, but Moon Knight has multiple personalities, and he can talk to one of his other personalities through a mirror. And he's like the the other personality is almost trapped in that mirror. Mm. And the Nets are are the Moon Knight when he can't quite break out of that mirror. Mm. They are they can see like you can see what he could be, they could become. Like I can see it, but they're trapped in this multiverse other dimension. Mm. In this, that's a, even a better one. If we're talking multiverse, Let's get crazy. Uh, yeah. Doctor Strange, strength, multiverse strength of madness, theory. May sixth. Yeah. Get your tickets down. Fandango.com. <laughs> okay. Fandango. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <laughs> there is a multiversal version of the Nets that is out there that they have had health mm. uh, that COVID doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, and that they are winning five championships in a row. Yeah, we're stuck in the the reality where God, I we we know that there's this other reality out there. But where we're stuck is like this team doesn't gel. Uh, the, the, all these pieces are kind of shoved together. It's a lot of talent. There's Ben Simmons on the sideline, the ultimate tantalizing piece. But we can't quite attain him because he has, as I detailed in our Glue Guys Investigate series, which mm. is award-winning, and I appreciate everyone Pul- Pulitzer. voting for us. Pulitzer. Yeah. Uh, and Nobel. And one, uh, piece a double, a two for a. Yeah. Which, what's uh, better? What do you like, what do you, what's more impressive? Nobel, right? Yeah. Got to be the Nobel. Would you rather go to dinner with someone who won the Nobel or Peace or Pulitzer? I'd probably neither. Um, wow. I would go for an MTV fun. Movie Award. <laughs> I would rather hang yeah. out with an MTV Movie hang. Award best kisser <laughs> than either of those people. You want to hang out no with No shots at Greta Thunberg. With Crazy but, Town. Uh, yeah. Um, or anyone else. So it's just we can see it. And I think that's what the frustration is. Like, we know that there's this higher level of basketball that could be attained by any amount of cohesion. But this team, they are the anti-cohesive team. Mm. They are um, they are the substance that you put on uh, Gorilla Glue to get to, Gorilla to get Glue off. off your fingers. That, that is what this team is. They they refuse to cohese. Okay. Vis-a-vis. An anticoagulant? Is that what we, would you call Ooh, it? Oh, is that what it's actually called? <laughs> Shot, shot in the dark. We'll see. I love it. Um, but but yeah. they are winning. And do you know where they are in the standings? If you're on the YouTube, I am. the standings are right behind me. And the Nets are very interesting in the standings, Brian, which we will have to touch on at, at some point in this episode. But they are currently the eighth seed, only a game back from the Cavs. They play the Cavaliers, what, on uh, tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. In a game that could very much decide whether the Nets have a home play-in game or if they are... On the road, I mean, they potentially could be in the nine ten still, yeah, uh, very easily. So Evan Mobley to return also potentially in that game, um, per usual. Well, yeah. So what do you give me your your temperature meter on the team? Oh boy, I mean, it's so I, tough to pin down. I it feel is like. because it's like you know, with that amount of again, with that amount of firepower, look, you have the iron, you, you just have a brain that can conceive of an Iron Man suit, like I say, and the Iron Man suit is, you know, it's a, it's a great weapon. Uh, it's super from, we were talking about, you used multiverse. We went simulations, you know, last night we were talking this, like this, this simulation sure. is, um, is, is shitty, is a, is a shitty, we're in we, a shitty we got screwed. 
Yeah, we got to break out. I'm also thinking about like, you know, in the fourth Matrix, they should have made it. And spoiler alert, this I mean, this is not really a spoiler alert at all. Don't you think it'd be funny if they they're in the Ebuchadnezzar and it was they find out that they're that's just another simulation. that They're stuck in just yet another simulation. And like they've all been fighting for just. Anom. You mean like the, the real, the dark Zion real yeah, world? Like if you were, if you were the machines, wouldn't you design a matrix where you could have this like big escape the matrix sort of subplot, right. and then a, like a, like almost like a, a rat maze or something, <laughs> right? And then you're stuck in what is yet another matrix that you think is outside of the OG matrix. I'm just saying. I'm just thinking as from a machine's perspective, Mike. Yeah, I don't um, think I don't think uh, who whichever Wachowski sister Lana, put that out Lana, really yeah. cared all that much about the movie. <laughs> Shots fired. Sorry. Shots fired. Um, the movie was yeah. uh, disgrace. I think everybody's on the same page with it's like who knows. You know, I I hate to say it, it's not really like strong analysis, and and you expect more oh, from good. from a Brooklyn Nets podcast, and you know. I'm just calling. It, I'm just calling it like I see it. Okay, I'm not trying to put in any pretense here. I think we are in perpetual states of evolution, and sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's really bad. I will say though, like again, just going back to this point, like there, there has never been a moment where I've been like, just the KD plus Kyrie offense is like, oh, this is this is truly you know a can of nos in my in my uh, street car. Uh, it's it like they themselves are individually great scorers and there's no disputing that. Obviously it's not a hot take, but they, they do not appear to be better than the sum of their parts, which sucks. Um, but you know, their individual parts are good enough to get pretty friggin' far. So do you want to just kick it right to the email? Should we just like integrate? Well, I, that? I just want to, I want to do one little right. bit and right. cause, cause I see this brought up often and I, and I brought it up on this own show of how, the Nets championship odds remained unchanged. The Nets are, I think, the favorite in a lot of books to win the championship this season, which feels like such an odd thing because they're not that good. They may not even make the playoffs. Like they they make make the play in, but may not be in the playoffs. The thing I'll say though is that like there's no incentive ultimately for the odds makers to like really move down the Nets line yeah. because it's not like you're betting the other side. It's not like in a normal bet. If you're betting a single game, you're betting two sides. When you're betting sort of a long-term futures bet, which involves championship odds, yeah, you know, you're, you could bet on the Suns or the Bucks, but that has no impact on the Nets. Vegas wants as many people to spend money and make bets as possible. So yeah, hypothetically they could drop the Nets odds to plus a thousand and that would drive a lot of interest from betters because they like they think that's great value. And Vegas could be very sure that they know that the Nets won't win the championship. But ultimately it it that this isn't gonna that's not gonna drive a massive amount of betting. And they'd rather have the protection of low odds. And so again the Nets are right now, according to DraftKings, they have the third best odds to win the NBA championship. It's the Suns plus 260, which is a pretty sizable number. Bucks plus 550, and then the Nets plus 600. The team behind them are the Warriors at plus 800. So the Nets are firmly in that second tier with the Bucks. There's just not much. So like everyone's like, oh, the Nets are still favorites. They're favorites just because their odd had been inflated so much early on when Vegas thought that the Nets at some point would have James Hardy, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. And the, it's sort of maintained. The idea, and I'm sure somebody will bring this into the into the emails, but like the idea that we're just going to like throw Ben Simmons into just playoff basketball and have that just be, you know, a perfect fit and just be off and running without any kind of friction at all is, uh, <laughs> it is optimistic um, 
to say the least. Uh, he he yeah. is literally the hardest NBA superstar for calling him a superstar to fit into a team. Yeah, he does a lot of things that should fit, but because he can't shoot it alters sort of everything, the fabric of your team. Yeah, it's, and mostly people just have to learn how to play with Ben Simmons, and it, it raises the ceiling enormously, but in the short term, it's a big, uh, yeah, it's a just a, it's a growth. You're going to have some growth pains, some growing pains. Should we do, let's do the first quick break. Coming back, emails, so many good questions, so and many. we're going to talk oh. about the, oh. the Nets playoff picture because it's very, very important. And we're back. Brian, let's get to the emails. First up, that's Cheerboy Saro Kutri. Beautiful name. Beautiful name from a beautiful person. Hey, fellas. We all know the season has not been fun for a lot of reasons. Despite all of its promise, no need to rehash all the letdowns. I have more of a statement than a question. Can all of hashtag Nets world just start pulling to be the 10th seed together, embrace the villainhood, and go with the scorched earth mentality to just push and fight and kick until the riot ends? We need to all be thinking of what's to come like the final seed of Django Unchained. <clears throat> Keep up the great work, Saro. Um, are we... Are we ready to make this really hard on ourselves? <laughs> I, I've thought about this so much, yeah. so much. I mean, again, I have, if you're on the YouTube audience, shout out to the YouTube crowd, the gang, as we call them, we call them the gang. Uh, I have the standings behind me. Um, I, I talked to Alex Schiffer off the record about this, but I'll reveal what we talked about. Um, the path from the current path, w- which we see it, and if everyone's listening to this, just pop up on your phone the standings. Currently, the the Heat are the number one seed in the East. Boston's two, Milwaukee's three, Philly's four, Toronto's five. Toronto's gone all the way to five, which is uh, terrifying for a lot of teams. But uh, Charlotte is two games, I think a game and a half behind Brooklyn. Charlotte's the 10th seed. The Nets going becoming the eighth seed is a better path. Because you play Miami in the first round, and then as it is right now, but it could change drastically because things are so tight between two, three, and four, then you could play Philly or Toronto. Now, I listed Toronto as the scariest team to me because of their vaccine policy. Scariest mm-hmm. team for the Nets to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think Philly has a, is a decent matchup against Toronto because Embiid should be able to score 50 a night. So then if you could play Philly in the second round... I love that much more than Boston in the first round and Milwaukee in the second round. And mm-hmm. then you have to play, you know, Toronto or Philly or Miami in the in the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. If things stay basically exactly how they are, as as they are behind you, <clears throat> I feel pretty good about that road ahead. That feels pretty good. I mean, Miami by far, we talked about this, is the team of the top four teams in the East. Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. Mm-hmm. Miami, I think by many, many miles, is the team I want to see the Nets play. They're still scary. They can play the extremely switchable defense. They have P.J. Tucker, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, uh, Bam Adebayo. You know, they, Tyler Hero could go off. Duncan Robinson could have a really good game. All that stuff. They, you know, they're the number one seed in the East. But it, I'd rather that than, like, Boston scares me because – I don't know. I don't think Robert Williams is going to come back no, for the first round. Not in the first round. But there's still enough infrastructural defensive like power. It's a real team. It's a real. Te- what we want to avoid are, are real teams. You know, by and Milwaukee <laughs> it should yeah. be scary. Yeah. in a first round can, matchup. Can you just move to the left a little bit so I can see the Cavs win total? Left. 
uh, or the right, or which might, yeah. Sorry. The chair. How many, what's the wind differential there between Cavs and Nets? So right now, the the Nets are a game down in the wind. So the Nets are a game back from the Cavaliers. And all they need to do, so here's the upcoming schedule. So here's what we're looking at. The Cavs are the seventh seed right now. And the the Nets play the Cavs on, what is it, Friday night like we talked mm-hmm. about. That is a huge game. And then the Cavaliers, I think, play the Milwaukee Bucks to finish out the season. Yeah. Um, we, in a game where, like, Milwaukee probably should be still trying at that point. You know, we, there's a lot of playoff seeding that could be figured out in that, in that moment. Mm-hmm. Do you want to – so let me ask you this. Do you care about being the seventh seed? I mean, do you care about having that home playoff game? Not necessarily. I, again, I, I think just and not to like, you know, it's there's too many unknowns to really try to like position yourself just so to play who you want to play in the first and second rounds or whatever. But as much as we want to be fortuitous in that regard, I mean, playing the Heat in the first round and uh, Sixers in the second round also. But you, you run the risk of the Raptors actually beating the Sixers and then that's a true nightmare. Um, yeah. Which again, I I agree with you. I don't. I think that the Raptor or that the Sixers win that series. Um, but you know, worst case scenario that happens, that's a pretty tricky spot to be in. But either way, I do like where it currently is. So <laughs> I mean, you yeah. don't ever want to throttle anything. And obviously, we have so much learning to do about ourselves that we should be treating these games like playoff games, anyways. Just because we're you know we it feels like such a um uh like a, a noob team at the moment. Um. But yeah, so in as much as you can throw all these things, which I don't think you can really have much control over it, I I do like where it's currently at and would want to preserve that as much as possible. The the key thing is if you are a fan of tanking for the 10, which is pretty hard to do at this point, the Nets would have to lose all their games and that would be very disappointing. I think that the Nets still have to play like the Pacers uh, and another bad team coming up. Mm -hmm. Or no, they only have two games left anyways. Um, That if you put yourself in the 10 spot or the nine spot, you could be knocked out in the first round of the play-in, right? Because whoever loses in that 9-10 matchup is done. Yeah. So I would prefer to remain 7-8 for that very reason, to give the Nets that cushion to be like, let's say they're still figuring stuff out. Let's say uh, Ben Simmons is very close to being back. I would rather have the cushion of l- potentially losing in the 7-8 mm-hmm. and then dropping down and then playing the winner of the 9-10. The thing is... <laughs> It, that winner probably is the Hawks, and I really don't want to see the Hawks. I want it to maintain as is. I want it to be Cavs-Nets in that first-round play-in. I actually don't care where that game is. It has no impact on on my life. Well, wow. But the Nets pretty much need to to win anyways to maintain to be in that 7-8. So yeah. it's a sticky wicket, as we like to call it. Well, Ryan, sticky we, wicket. thank you to Sorrow. We did. We went 12 rounds on that one. But Sorrow next up <coughs> is... That's J-Boy. That's James. Jimbo Crothers. James Crothers from um from the Bayou. He's from the Bayou. He heralds from. I just made that up. I just felt like a like a Bayou kind of name. Um, We're big in the Bayou. What is Hey Gleeman, what are your thoughts on Steve Nash <laughs> returning next year? Do you think Marks and Co. will look to switch things up and bring in a veteran coach? Thanks. Um I do feel like this is I hate to say it, but if you have a um, a not good showing in the first round, if we were a first round exit or even worse, a non-playoff team at all, I do think Steve Nash is finally 
going to get a very serious evaluation. Um, I think just again, going back to the optics of like, you know, not, not only just offensively, but like just watching ourselves play defense on both of those games last night. Like we're just not, we, we have, we are not an organized group of people. Um, and to the extent which like, you know, we needed to get, we needed Steve Nash to get here, right? We, the politicking of we, as we've often talked about has been incredibly important. Um, but now we have some sense of, I don't know, completion regarding the, the Kyrie Irving situation. Uh, we have obviously Kevin Durant under contract for the foreseeable future. Um, it is time to start executing at a, at a much higher level. Uh, and I, there isn't, I have yet to see the evidence outside of the D'Antoni system where James Harden again was like a pretty big part of it. Like, I don't want to keep doing this, but, um, we have not seen Steve Nash on his own develop <clears throat> that sense of cohesion um, and that that level of execution yet. So I do, I actually cohesion do cohesion in Cambrio, cohesion in Cambrio. Uh, we've not seen it to this point. So uh, I do got to like, hey, great job! You've you've parachuted <laughs> in. You took the brunt of a whole lot of like headline BS stuff over the years, and super appreciate it. But. Uh, it's either a stern warning or if like if it's truly a, a non <laughs> non play on non playoff experience or like pretty like even handed smack out of the first round, it, it may be time, Mike, it may be time. Yeah, so this all depends on the, the person who's gonna make this decision is Kevin Durant, right? And we've already had a piece of evidence that seems to make us believe that Kevin Durant has um supported Steve Nash in the re- in the reporting before James Harden was traded, or I even think right after, there was the idea that James Harden wanted to play a certain style of basketball and that Kevin Durant and Steve Nash wanted to play another way. And so that leads one to believe that what Steve Nash is doing, Kevin Durant likes. They obviously have this relationship. It'll be extremely interesting to see what happens if they get if they get knocked out of the play-in. They don't even make the true top eight teams in the East in the real playoffs. I think there has to be some major evaluation. No matter what excuses were could be made, and there are so many excuses, there still has to be a level of, are we sure we're maximizing this window that we got with Kevin Durant? I will throw out a very interesting name that I know won't happen, but hey, I'm a reckless podcaster, and this is what I'm going to do. There's only a select group of coaches who could ever, ever sort of satisfy firing Steve Nash and bringing in over Steve Nash that would be able to have a, a personal relationship with one of the stars that they would respect greatly. You know, there's people like Pop. Pop is still coaching the Spurs. Doc Rivers seems to like if the 76ers get knocked out, Doc Rivers would be available and maybe, you know, the Nets could see that, but Ben Simmons is here, and it would be hard to see Ben Simmons, not that he has much say in the issue, it would seem to be hard to bring in Doc Rivers if Ben Simmons is here, right? But Seth Curry's here. Seth Curry's his son-in-law. Here's the name that I've got for you, Brian. Mm. He's, a, he's a coach that just retired. Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Wow. Wow. Coach Mike Krzyzewski wow. has flirted with the NBA. He almost took the Lakers job when Kobe Bryant was there. Coach K famously turned around Team USA basketball. And who was on that team? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving went to Duke. Mm. I'm sure Kyrie has a great relationship with 
Mike, Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Well, if Joe Sy was going to bring in another coach, Joe Sy is marketing minded, just like you and I. We're very, all three of us are very similar, very similar. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Coach K coaching on the sidelines, <clears throat> and it would be talk about Joe Biden. Be very Joe Biden situation. It'd be like, hey, one year term. I'm going to yeah. come in. We're going to win a championship. Coach K, who probably considers himself the greatest coach of college basketball. There's some competitiveness. <laughs> you, you wouldn't consider him that. That's no, yeah. I wouldn't consider him that. Yeah. Jim Beheim. Uh No, but what would be something that he could do that would be different that he could walk into a situation to potentially, if he won an NBA championship with mm. the Brooklyn Nets, he would be the greatest coach in basketball history. I love it. He's I love this take. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, college basketball coach. Has anyone he else turned been around Team USA? Doing this take, it's a great take. It's a. I mean, no one does it because no everyone knows it's not happening. Yeah. yeah. But but I, it's, if there's, they are not removing Steve Nash unless if it's for a very select group of coaches and maybe Mike D'Antoni's in that too. The what an awkward sort of move that would be if D'Antoni was like, I was an assistant and then I'm your mentor and then I'm like, hey Steve, get out of here. Um, but it's like pop or coach K basically, mm. or Pat Riley. And obviously Pat Riley's not doing that. So Phil Jackson, I guess is another name, but Phil doesn't seem to be physically able to do that. And he's locked in with the Lakers. Like there's more of a chance if Phil's going to come back and be with the Lakers. So coach K is going to be your nets. 2022, okay. 2023 coach. Big take next up. That's sure boy. That's damn from Virginia. And from Virginia, not the Bayou, um, not the Bayou. Uh, he says <clears throat> the Nets have a death lineup, basically Katie at the five, surrounded by all available shooters, that fulfills the whole concept of why this particular big three slash duo was put together. Even factoring in the KD injury, they probably lost five to ten games because they refused to use this death lineup. Any theories as to why? I believe Nash is old school and withholds things for the playoffs. Um, interesting take. I like the idea that you did. You like my radio voice? I put on the. Yeah, that was the, great. I was really impressed. <clears throat> um, funny. I, I, the one part of this that I vehemently disagree with is that Nash withholds things for the playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's possible, but you know, what if like all of a sudden we're just like the best uh, in the playoffs? Um, big, like best offense ever. The best. <laughs> Do you remember when Nash was hired and that first training camp? All the players, including Reggie Perry, shout out Reggie Perry. We're talking about we're trying to figure out what kind of coach Nash should be, and they said the things he's doing on defense will blow people's minds. I remember the talk about his defensive strategy was revolutionary, and we haven't seen an ounce of that so far in the his two seasons. Yes, yeah. here's the question though. I guess what his what he's taking issue with is that we're playing you know traditional centers and Claxton and Drummond instead of um, instead of KD at the five, which is. <clears throat> I mean, it's an interesting thought that, like, it's like, hey, this is what the team was built for. But I guess, like, supplementing just the one player, like, if we're just looking at, like, one traditional center plus, like, four effectively, like, death lineup style players, which are, I mean, it's, if we can call it what it, it's, like, drive and kick, but, like, rangy players who, are like, are, like, above average to good passers. Um, I do think, like, it's a stretch to call it, like, the death lineup of of your – because, I mean, a couple of players on there are really, really good passers. Like, Steph Curry and Draymond were, like, 
elite passers. Um, people people forget that. Where like Kevin Durant has picked up the slack for sure in playmaking, and Kyrie, you know, kind of can portal in and out of playmaking when he wants to. But I I haven't yet really seen even with a like the four person version of it. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of evidence that they're even trying to trying to do that as often as they should. You know, there isn't like. Like, oh, if it wasn't just for, like, this one player who's, like, not stretching out the floor with us, like, we could do this. It, it just doesn't feel like that's part of the ambition. And this goes back to it. We've talked about this a million times. But, like, KD straight up hated <laughs> that style of basketball and was pretty vocal about it. And, like, you've been talking about it, It's, like, it's really up to KD. We've given him an enormous amount of control over what we do um, on Fine. the court. Yeah. And uh, and what his take has often been we is are like Britney Spears, and he is our he's our parents. He yeah. controls our entire life. We're his, his no, don't free Britney over here. His take on this has always been like, yeah, all that stuff is really cool to win regular season games, but if you're trying to win playoff games and the game, you know, these possessions get much more half court and tighter, and you know, having a, a just offense like just half court offensive weapons is like, but just bucket getters. I think Kevin Durant respect respects above all bucket getting that yes. the act of it um his entire yeah. <clears throat> career has been based around and is it like personal life seems to be based around mm-hmm. the fact that he's friends with Kyrie. i think is mostly based around the fact that <laughs> he, he so respects getting. the bucket getting <laughs> yeah. totally um i i so I, I of course i love the lineup of uh of death the problem is there are two people missing from well, really three, but I'll say two and a half are missing from what should be the lineup of death. Joe Harris would have been crucial in lineup of death because the current death lineup right now, I guess, is Kyrie, Seth, Patty Mills, KD, and who would be the the fourth the, or the fifth shooter, I guess. I, I, I don't even know because this team doesn't really have that next guy. So if if you actually had Joe Harris, Joe Harris is is – the second tallest in that lineup, taller than Kyrie, Seth, and Patty Mills. He can somewhat play wing defense, though he's not obviously amazing at it. They're really missing Joe Harris because if you have Patty, Kyrie, and Seth, you're going to get nuked on the defensive end of the floor. And Kevin Durant's best aspect of it being a defender is his off-ball defense, the fact that he can swoop in like a pterodactyl and block the ball. They're also missing Jeff Green. Like, Mm -hmm. We talked about before the season, would you rather have Jeff Green or Blake Griffin? And it felt like we were kind of like, we love Jeff Green. You were great. But Blake had shown a lot in the playoffs, and we were excited about that. This seems missing the 6'8 athletic three-point shooter big time. And mm. if they had him, you know, then you could do the lineup of death because then Jeff Green's playing center and KD's swooping in. And then Jeff Green could pop out on offense and hit the threes, hit the corner three and all that stuff. It, I hate to do this because we just did Glue Guys Investigates, and I don't think Ben Simmons is going to play this year. But if you have Ben Simmons, horrible shooter. We know that. But at least he would he would do so much for you defensively. He would do so much for you in transition offense. And then on on it, when it's a set offense, he could basically do what Bruce Brown has done, which is hang out in the dunker spot, kind of operate around the elbows, and wait for the ball to kind of flow to him. And then you have a big enough lineup where if it's KD and Ben Simmons, then you can deal with having a smaller front, a backcourt. Right. But yeah, you know, Ben Simmons is like, they kind of need him. I don't know. He's kind of a big deal. I wish they had James Harden. Okay. Last up. Finally. Cheer boy. Cheer boy. That's Alan. 
Alan. Alan Cappett. <laughs> hey guys, longtime listener and Twitter follower. Hey, uh, I was wondering how much of an impact you see guys like Cam, Kess, and Sharp having next year, considering that we have 10 free agents this offseason. Do you get you feel like those guys can be productive enough that we don't need to do a complete roster overhaul? <clears throat> um, okay. Good question. And um, good question. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just because uh, I'm feeling like Cam is a bigger project lately than than I originally thought. There's been a um you know what it is? It's it's a it's um it's an identity issue that Cam is struggling with a little bit. He came out like hot with like I'm going to blow it up, blow off the doors of this league and just be an elite scorer. Uh he's way way trimmed that back to the point now where he's like I don't really know where I pick my spots. And also I think like he's hesitant to use what is his greatest asset, which is uh, his thighs, you know, and I really <laughs> I thought you were going to say ass. Yeah, his ass and thighs. Um, and he is perpetually going to step back jumpers from the mid range. He's picked up on again, like that's sort of like a it seems to be a, a, it's infectious on this team that everyone's now going deferring to these like playmaking step backy inefficient shots that like Kyrie and KD happen to specialize in. But that should not be everyone's bag. We we should not be, you know, teaching that. If, and I don't think that we are, but maybe they're just picking it up. We all can't act the, like Jared Leto. We can't. Set, you know? We can't. You know, we and, all can't just be making people wheel us around like we're Morbius. If Cam could just can't do it. self, he could just, he just needs to meditate on the fact that he is built like a medicine ball and he does need to be barreling down the paint, you know, getting a lot of contact. And, and he's an amazing free throw shooter, so. And yeah, and and have, I mean, like really it's, again, I keep bringing this up, but it's borrow a little bit from old the, the Harden of yesteryear and be one of those, you know, high efficiency trolley, uh, you know, b- basically a guy who can either shoot threes or just be driving to the basket hard enough to. I mean, to Jalen draw Brunson does it for the Mavericks, and I was impressed by because he's not overly quick. He's also a bowling ball type yeah. guard. Cam actually has more size than Jalen Brunson, and Jalen Brunson gets into the bucket, you know, yeah. gets into the basket and creates a little. Yeah, I. I agree with you. But so, um, so Kess and Sharp, otherwise, so anyways, that's not to the point of the, that's to the real question. It's like, are we able to rely on these guys next season in a world in which we let a whole bunch of free agents walk? Uh, I don't personally think so. That's my, that's my, I don't know that we're, uh, again, like, you know, this team has been basically pulling out, you know, great, re- truly great veterans off the waiver wire and out of the bargain bin for the last two to three years. Um, <clears throat> I doubt highly that, I mean, again, like everyone's, you know, career trajectory, it's it's so far so good. You know, I don't want to come down too hard on Cam, but like there's, you know, some evidence that he can be good and great. And Kess is obviously much more of a utility player, kind of three and D bro with a little bit more upside. Um, Dayron, I go back and forth on, but I don't want to be in a position where I'm relying on them night in, night out in the way that we were in January. You know, that was, that was fun and it was a great energizing thing, but at the same time, it was also like, um, it, after it, it kind of like there was a petering out process of like when the excitement actually becomes when you actually have to run real offenses against real teams, uh, you're going to have less success with that amount of an experience. And we're in a championship window, Mike, we need championship vets. You know, every time you go, you have a window like this, there just seems to be a bevy of options from this grand buffet of veterans that, that come around every year. So I, while I like having them around and I think that they're plug and play, I don't want to like build around that, those three guys but maybe yeah just just to orient people a bit next year who here's who's like guaranteed potentially guaranteed to be on the team kevin durant who has signed his contract kyrie irving has a player option but 
it seems like he was going to decline it and probably sign an extension with the Nets or someone else. But let's say he's on the Nets. Simmons is here. Joe Harris is here for two more years. Seth has one more year on his contract for next year. Patty Mills has a player option for the taxpayer mid-level amount. And it's at 6.1. It's almost 6.2. It's t- I feel like there would definitely be another team to pay him the taxpayer mid-level. Um, I wonder if he wants to stay here. I don't know. It's kind of been a rough year for him to finish out. But let's assume he's on the team next year because that's a decent amount of money. And anyways, okay, so that's the lineup. Everyone else is Cam, Dayron, David Duke, and Kessler Edwards. There, Bruce Brown is not signed past this year. Blake, LaMarcus gone, James Johnson. The thing about Drummond that most people – you know, everyone got up in arms and they're like, oh, he says he doesn't want to be here next year. It's only because the Nets can only, at the highest amount of money that they can offer him, is the taxpayer mid-level as well. So that's $6.2 million next year. I'm going to guess he's at least going to get that, if not more than that, going into free agency. So Drummond's not going to be here. Nick Claxton, I think they have his bird rights, so they can probably pay Nick Claxton whatever they want up to a certain amount of money. Um so and they're going to be an influx of veteran free agents to come onto this team, even if the Nets lose in the play, because guys are still going to want to play in Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie on some level. Um, of those three, Dayron, Cam, and Kessler, I guess I'm most most confident that Kessler Edwards uh, is going to be a rotational piece next year. I've been really impressed with his improvement on the ball handling aspect of it all. Um, because he came in and not being able to ball handle, and now he can like do a little bit of something. He's a shooter, and he's a really good defender. I'm excited. Here's what I'm excited for, and I know we have to wrap up, is that all three are going to be in the Nets system in the offseason, and will have a chance to improve. Where last offseason, you know, there's the draft process where they're trying to train for the draft process, and then they're barely on the team, and then it's training camp, and then the season goes. All these guys seem like workers, which is exciting. So Cam has a bunch of potential. Kessler has potential, and so does De'Ron Sharp. You know, all these guys have potential. If I were to rank who's going to actually contribute, I would go Kessler, Cam, De'Ron. Um, De'Ron is just, it's hard to be young and big and, and, and not be like, you have to be uber-athletic to be a contributor early on in the NBA. So Love it. Love it. Take us out of here, Mike. Welcome back to the, oh, wait, no, we already did that. Uh <laughs> This is the Glue Guys at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Discord, hop in the Discord. You get to the Discord. Hey, we got a, a new vanity uh, uh, URL. So it's discord.gg backslash glue guys. Dead simple. There's no alphanumeric anymore. Because we got boosted. Anyways, thanks everybody. See hey. you guys soon. Bye, 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 bye. bye.